Hello and welcome to another episode of A Matter of Public Health. It's the podcasting service of the Kent County Health Department located in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm Steve Kelso and I'll be your host for this episode as today we examine at-home food safety. Now you may have heard it called the stomach flu, the 24-hour flu, or even just the flu. Fevers, chills, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, you know the drill. But here's a bit of news for you. There is no such thing as the stomach flu. And what you are probably experiencing is food poisoning. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says food poisoning is one of the most underreported illnesses in the United States. In fact, it is estimated that every year, one in six people, that's 48 million people in the United States, get sick and 3,000 die. Now, with backyard cookouts in full swing, we thought that this was a perfect time of the year to help you with some tips to avoid the unpleasant at best and deadly at worst consequences of food poisoning. Joining me now today is Rachel Steining. She is the supervising sanitarian at the Kent County Health Department and our subject matter expert on food safety. Rachel, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Steve. You know, I want to throw a backyard party this summer. Uh, cookout with the neighbors, the family, the friends, and I want it to be something memorable. But I don't want my guests to remember throwing up or having diarrhea or fever from the food I fed them. So explain to me how most fo- foodborne illness, how it commonly occurs, and how I can avoid serving this dish that leaves them with the chills. Sure. So foods naturally have germs on them that can cause illness, such as raw meats, um, raw poultries, might have E. coli or salmonella, things like that on them. In order to kill those germs so that you don't get sick, you need to cook them thoroughly so that they are, the germs are killed. So there's a certain temperature that everything achieves and those germs are killed off. Correct. Okay. Yes. And then I can find that temperature online or anywhere. I know beef is 145. There's there's different temperatures. Yep. Poultry, 160. 60, yep, 165. 160 for poultry. Yep, so different types of meat, different cuts, thicknesses, whether it's uh, beef or pork or uh, poultry, those all have different temperatures that you would want to cook them to. But if you really wanted to be safe and you only want to remember one number, 165 degrees Fahrenheit is the number to remember. 165 degrees Fahrenheit is the magic number. But I got to tell you, if I cook my steak to 165 degrees, I, I don't want that steak anymore. That would be a very well done steak. So what do I can come in a little under that with the steak, right? Yep. With steaks, because they're whole muscle meats. You're really looking at the um, bacterias being on the outside of the steak. So you want to make sure to char them well on the outside. And as long as the inside hasn't been contaminated in some way, you would be safe with a medium rare steak. Okay. And that's how we want to cook a steak anyway, right? Want to that's char the best way the to eat a steak. And slow it down and get it to that proper temperature. I'll tell you, one of your sanitarians years ago gave me a, uh, gave me a meat thermometer and I started using it at home. Not only do I feel much safer... I've become a much better cook. My food is done to the right temperature, and that's a good reason to use it, too. Oh, absolutely. I think chicken is um, often overcooked because you want to make sure it's really done. You, everybody hears you got to cook chicken really, really well. 165, really, the chicken is still moist, but it is well cooked. Help me with this. Sometimes I'll be cooking on the grill, and I'm like, that just can't be to 145 yet. At what point do I temp that? Because the grill is still hot. 
My meat is at 145. It looks like the beef looks like it's done, but the second I pull it off the grill, at what point do I need to be taking that temperature and where can I take that for gospel? You could try to take the temperature while it's still on the grill. Although if you're holding your hand right over that hot grill, your hand might get too hot. Learn that one the hard way. Right. So you can take it off the grill, put it on a clean plate, put your meat thermometer into the center of the meat. You don't want to get it all the way through. You don't want to get it in the center where it's going to be the coldest. And if you find the temperature is correct right there, then you can just sit there and wait and eat when you're ready. And it's that... It's that probe. At the end of that probe is where the, the temperature is most accurate, correct? Correct. Okay, so the bottom, what is that, one-eighth of an inch or so of that probe? The, yeah, the usually there's a little point. dimple that you can really yeah. look at, and you can see that's where it's going to be reading the temperature at. Cross-contamination is a big deal. Tell me how that occurs and how I might totally innocently mess that one up. Absolutely. So we already talked about the germs that are on meats and poultries and things like that. So if you're storing your chicken in the refrigerator and the chicken juices drop, drip, drip down on cooked foods that are underneath it, then you've got chicken juices on your cooked food and you're not going to cook that again. Oh, so I've got, I got a head of lettuce or something under there. Exactly. So I want to stack my fridge even differently. Correct. You want to arrange your refrigerator so that anything that might drip, any raw meats are going to be on the bottom and your cooked foods, your uh Vegetables, dairy products are at the top. It's things ready to eat as exactly. I look at them in the fridge. So those are going to be at the top. Something that's not going to get cooked. Something that won't get to that 165. Yeah. I keep that stuff at the top. And a lot of refrigerators have drawers, which then that'll keep it separate right. as well. So I like to keep my cheese in a drawer, and I feel okay putting my chicken right on top of that because it's got the shelf in the drawer that will protect. How far do I carry this? Because, uh, I mean, even in the grocery store, they've got a plastic bag there for me put my chicken in because that thing can do I separate those things in grocery bags in my cart in my really the best policy is completely keep them separate yes separate them in different bags if you're going to be taking food to a park to do a cookout there separate cooler for your chicken separate cooler for your you know potato salad or whatever beverages keep them separated and that plate that I use for the raw meat, I don't use for the cooked meat. Oh, absolutely not. That that thing's got to be washed almost immediately. Absolutely, yes. Any cutting board, any utensil, a knife, anything that you use with raw, you're not going to want to use with cooked. And this is probably where a lot of that happens, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I know, you know, before I became involved in food safety, when I would cook out and grill, I would have one set of tongs. I have my favorite set of tongs. I'm going to use that set of tongs to put the meat on the grill. I'm going to set the tongs down, and then I'm going to go about my day and take use the same set of tongs to take it off. Not anymore. Now that I know better, that set of tongs goes into the kitchen, gets thoroughly washed, hot soapy water, and then I can use it again, or I get a second set of tongs, one for raw, one for cooked. Okay, so last night I'm cooking on the Blackstone with my wife and I, and I've got on one side potatoes and on one side uh, salmon. And so I should really be using a separate spatula for both sides of that. Ideally, yeah. Because every time I flip that salmon and the salmon's not done, and then I come over here and, and flip those potatoes around, I'm potentially moving that uncooked juice onto and any number of things that are in there, right? I, salmonella, E. coli. What, Absolutely, what potentially, yes. Mm -hmm. So I could just be contaminating myself unknowingly. And that's probably where a lot of this happens. Exactly. All right. Now it's time to cook the meat. 
I'm using those separate utensils. What else can I? Oh, I know what I've got. I marinated that steak in a fantastic teriyaki. And there's a lot of flavor in there still. Now that meat is done, I can pour that right out of that bag, right? And use that marinade back on top of that steak? I certainly would not recommend that. Anything, if if your marinade has had raw meat in it, it is done. So the couple of things that you can do, either ahead of time, you can separate some of the marinade. You mix up your marinade ahead of time, put some separate that's going to be used for basting or dipping at the end. Or... If you have to use what was in the bag, boil it. Put it in a saucepan, put it on the stove, bring it to a full rolling boil, and then you can use it again. Oh, really? I could get double duty out of that teriyaki by boiling it back up. You have to bring it to a full rolling boil. Now, what does that mean, a full rolling boil? That sounds like something grandma used to say. (laughs) I think I did get it from my grandma. (laughs) Absolutely. So that's just, it's when you really see the bubbles coming up out of it. It's a really full boil. It's not just barely simmering. You're really, really boiling it. It's hot. Okay, so how long do I need to keep that going? Do I just achieve that temperature or? Once you get it to a boil, you've killed off any of the germs. Then I've killed off anything and I can feel pretty secure about God. I did not know that maybe that was a a way to reuse that that marinade because, let's face it, I forget to hold some of it back and you cook it through. You want a little more of that jerk sauce or whatever you've prepared there. Uh, what do we do uh, while we're serving, while we're eating? Can Now the food's all cooked. We should be in the clear, right? Well, first of all, you want to make sure that not just your grill master is washing their hands throughout the process, but anybody who's ready to eat, they need to go and wash their hands right before eating. Soap, water, at least 20 seconds, sing happy birthday to yourself twice. Wash your hands thoroughly before you eat. What are the rules on hand washing? How often do I have to be washing my hands out there? How do I how do I know when, oops, I can't do that because I haven't washed my hands yet. And I see people wearing gloves a lot, and then they just go on from one food to the next. And I can't understand how that helps. It doesn't. Thank you. <laughs> you need to wash your hands before um, touching raw meats, after touching raw meats, before switching to any other task, before eating. Really, you got to wash your hands quite often. Okay, so let's walk through this process. I got a couple of chicken breasts and a, and a nice uh, jerk sauce. I come out, I grab those things. I'm, I'm just going to grab them in my hands. I throw them on the grill. I've got to wash my hands before I can even touch my tongs again, right? Oh, absolutely. Whatever uh, germs are on that chicken are now all over your hand. Are now all over my hands. And as soon as I scratch my eyes or, or whatever. Or you go to open your sliding glass door to go back inside. And then my neighbor opens up my sliding glass door to go inside, and then he touches his mouth or his nose. And then now he's got the germs that you so nicely gave to him. And it is just that easy. It, it really is. Germs can live on, on hands for two to three hours. And easily. on surface? Probably about the same amount of time. Yeah, depending on depending the Depending on the right? kind of germ and the kind of surface right. and you how porous a, it is. And you all. get a noro, you're, you're in for a special treat, right? Absolutely. And that's not uncommon either. Right. When we see that thing flash through outdoor Right. Cookouts like and ours. Something kind of interesting about norovirus is that it's not killed by hand sanitizer. So sometimes people think they're safe just to do, use hand sanitizer instead of washing hands. That's not going to be effective against norovirus. Well, and you bring up a good point because how effective is hand sanitizer against everything else? Can I, maybe I'll just skip washing my hands after touching that chicken because it's salmonella I'm worried about. I, is it is, is hand sanitizer ever really a substitute for a good hand washing? Hand washing is always the most ideal. 
If you have visible, visibly dirty hands, if you feel like they're sticky, if you really literally just touch that chicken with your bare hand to put it on the grill, hand sanitizer is not going to do the trick. Wash those hands. You have to wash your hands. What well, seems like in public health, we say a lot of that, isn't it? It does. But that really is, it really is the key to so much of this. It really is. That's, that's really, it's, it's interesting. And I guess if I think I'm washing my hands too much, then maybe I'm probably doing it just about right, right? Probably, yeah. We should really be washing our hands quite often throughout the day. We really should. We've, uh, okay, we've cooked. Uh, it was delicious because I'm, I'm an excellent cook and everybody's really enjoying it now. And uh, now it's time to clean up. Are there things I need to be watching here? If you have any leftovers because you planned too much food, not that your food wasn't fantastic, but there was just way too much. Well, we people full. didn't show up. They said <laughs> they were coming right. and they didn't show up. You want to make sure you get your leftovers in your refrigerator or maybe even straight to the freezer within two hours of cooking. On a really hot day, if it's above 90 degrees outside, limit that to one hour. Yeah, okay. I've got that potato salad sitting outside and we're all going to eat and, you know, uh, the, the friends arrived, some some people arrived late, and that potato salad's been sitting out there. What Can I keep that on a bed of ice? What, what should I be doing? Yep, during while you're eating, while you're serving, if you know people are coming and going, keep it on a bed of ice. Keep that potato salad in its core at 41 degrees or below. That's and almost you, an impossible task on a 90-degree day. Right. So maybe put out a small portion at a time. Maybe put out just enough to get you through that one-hour time, and then you can replenish as needed. Yeah, be willing to throw away some if there's if it if when in doubt, throw it out. Yeah, when in doubt, throw it out. That's probably the best rule of thumb, and and I I think we practice that quite often in in our refrigerator at home. What is the the most the most valuable piece of information that you hope the listeners of a Matter of Public Health podcast would get from this conversation? It's going to have to be two parts. Wash your hands. I knew that was coming. And keep things separated and clean as far as utensils, cutting boards, things like that. I think because this, you know, that, that, that little bit that I, uh, I started out with, uh, one, one in six people and the CDC saying that uh, this is a very underreported illness, it's probably because they don't understand that, isn't it? Oh, I absolutely believe so. Yeah. I think a lot of times you have something to eat and you get a little bit of a stomach upset and you you just think, oh, that just didn't agree with me or it's no big deal or, you know, things like that. And you just move on with your day. But foodborne illness can be a lot more serious for people with, a, you know, compromised immune systems. Um, yeah. If you let it go too much, I mean, it can, you can end up hospitalized or even dead. Yeah, because there are some out there, botulism comes to mind. Oh, that absolutely. Is, that is ex- that's extremely deadly. Uh, it was explained to me by a doctor one time that if your body were the size of a six-mile freight train, a piece of botulism the size of a flea would derail you. So that That's kind a of, powerful image. Yeah, it kind of put that in perspective for me. Okay, it is then important for the Kent County Health Department to know when food illness is occurring in the community because... That could have been a bad batch of potato salad that was sold at a certain store and could be out there. So tell me, where should people call and what information should they have available? They can call us at 616-632-7228. One more time with that number. 616-632-7228. 
and what do they need to tell us when they call? They can let us know where they suspect that they got their foodborne illness from, and then they'll be asked a 72-hour meal history, and we'll review everything that you ate for breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks over 72 hours, and see if there's any kind of, if there's been a pattern with maybe other illnesses that were reported. They'll also ask about if you've had contact with things like dirty diapers or pools or pets or um, unusual exotic animals, things like that. Absolutely. It's always unfortunate when one person experiences foodborne illness, and it's always worse when many, many people experience a foodborne illness. Yeah, there's no sense in having something keep going into the into society. My pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Thanks so much.